All right, Boz, we got a good one today. They're all good. As always, is, Pat. As yeah, always. This, this is a good one. This is user-submitted content, if you will. Yes. And as soon as I saw the question posted, I was like, oh, I should have thought about that as a topic a while ago. Here is the general this old question. chestnut. <laughs> yeah. Somebody <laughs> yeah, reached it's a classic. out. It's a, good, it's a good question. Somebody reached out and said, hey, look, I have this desire to be a coach, this desire to be a trainer. However... I'm hesitant because I can't do all the movements that a CrossFit athlete is expected to do or that will pop up in a class. Therefore, does that hurt my credibility as a trainer? Can I not be a, a trainer? Yep. You know, we've heard that we've heard that phrase, those who can't do teach or coach or whatnot, and that's all encapsulated in this. So I will throw the question in your lap. What would be your advice if you were, you know, talking to this individual? Well, first of all, let's address that statement because I think that statement, you know, those that can't do coach is often used as kind of a disparaging phrase. I think that's usually how it is. I think that's most yeah, of the time. And, and I think people don't necessarily consider the inverse, which I think is also often true, which is those that are exceptional at what they're doing on the athletic field are often not very good coaches because it comes to them so naturally that they haven't had to process through and they haven't really had to figure out a way to impart that to somebody else. It just seems like Agreed. no big deal for them to pick up that skill. And so therefore, why wouldn't it be the same for anybody else? I, so let's I, get I, that out of the way right away. I had a, um, well, first of all, yes, because you know what? Most of us normal humans spend a lot of our life on the struggle bus when nothing comes Absolutely. easy to. And there's a lot of yep. value to riding the struggle bus yeah. because you can really empathize with people that are also finding things challenging. Yeah. I had a buddy who I wanted to throw off of a cliff upon <laughs> the first time. Like they just practiced snatching a little bit, but they never like ever tried to go heavy in their life. You know, they just done maybe like 95 pounds. And the very first day, just kind of seeing how it felt, they got 185 pounds, like effortlessly. And they, and they were like, oh, like this is, this is pretty easy. You just kind of throw it up there and then there it is. I'm like, you throw it up there and then there it is. What? Uh, like, yep. But it just, it clicked with them. They were a very gifted athlete, but that's not most people's yeah. experience with the barbell snatch. So, so Absolutely. yes, I, I agree that you're right. Most of the time it is used more as a cutting insult to say to people, well, yeah. those who can't do coach, but... You know, like you said, there's there's more to it than that. Absolutely. So getting kind of to the meat of your question, do you have to be able to demonstrate, you know, really proficiently in order to be effective? It's it's kind of both. I mean, obviously in the perfect world, it's gonna be a great skill set to be able to show the movement exactly as you want other people to do it. That's a huge benefit if you're able to do that. But if you can't do that, I don't think it precludes you. From teaching. So if you think about what the demonstration really is, all it is is a tool to try to create an understanding of a concept. That's it. It's usually going to be easiest for most people to pick up a movement visually, or at mm -hmm. least first. They're going to get the biggest download of information first visually, most of the time. And then when you start talking it through, that's kind of an abstraction from that visual. And that breaking it down and talking it through it's, it's kind of a lower resolution proxy for the visual. So yeah, if you have that visual down, it's gonna be great. But if you don't, think about what you're trying to do. You're trying to impart a concept. And so 
If you take that one step further and you start thinking about the movements that have technical requirements, like a muscle up comes to mind. Mm, as absolutely. Something that, you know, a lot of coaches when they're beginning, they might still be working towards their first muscle up and trying to coach others to do the same thing. In that case, you have to think to yourself, what is the hardest part of this muscle up? Oftentimes, it's going to be the most technical aspect, and that's going to be the transition. So now mm -hmm. I just have to do a little troubleshooting and think, how can I show this transition isolated from the movement to impart the concept so that somebody can understand what to do? And that could be as simple as I'm going to set up the rings with my feet on the floor. I'm going to show that transition with flawless technique, taking the strength aspect out of it. And now I've done exactly what I needed to do was take that concept and make it accessible to the person trying to learn. So that's, that's my, my kind of rambly way of saying, yeah, perfect world. You can nail it. And you do it great. Not so perfect world. Find out the pieces that are most beneficial to show and figure out a way to show them in isolation if you can't do it in the full movement. Do you find that in any way, shape or form? hurts a coach's credibility, right? Maybe somebody's walking in, we're going to learn this muscle up, and the, and the person goes, ah, I, I, yeah, I've seen one of those. Could you show one real quick? And the coach goes, ah, I can't do one. I think that's all in the approach. I think like so many things in life, if you are too self-deprecating uh, about it, if you're too kind of uh, diminutive about that, if it's obviously something that you're self-conscious about and that comes across to the athlete, then yes, I think that can hurt the teaching relationship. If it's something that is approached honestly and just acknowledged as part of the process, I think it doesn't have to have any negative impact whatsoever, um, especially if it's something that's truly difficult. You know, uh, It can also be the other end of that where it can be encouraging to a new athlete that like, hey, look, this road is going to be long and that's perfectly acceptable. The important thing is that you stay on it and mm -hmm. don't get discouraged. Hey, I'm, I'm a year deep and I'm still working towards that first muscle up. No big deal. Mm -hmm. And I'm the coach. You know what I mean? Um, I, think, I think handled in the right way with confidence, that can be a great message to the new person that this road doesn't just end one day magically. Right. And it may force the coach who can't do a demonstration to elevate other aspects of their training repertoire, if you will, their Absolutely. ability to verbally yep. explain the movement, their, to dive into some nuances. Maybe they're studying other athletes. They're studying the tremendous amount of resources that are available online and YouTube of people doing these movements in slow motion, frame by frame. Sure. Their ability to, you know, to teach, see, and correct it you know, without the actual ability to demonstrate it, well, they're just going to have to elevate those other parts and, and still probably be extremely successful in doing that. You know, I remember, and, you know, you will know that I'm not lying since you've known me for a while. Back in the day when I was running small group demonstrations at level one seminars, well, part of those small groups is involves the presses going overhead. I have never done a... Favorite position. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I have never done a shoulder press, a push press, or a push jerk that looked beautiful in my life. And so my, my ability to demonstrate, I don't know how I would have dread every time that the presses group was coming up because I knew that I just looked like a hot mess out there you know, mm -hmm. due to, to tight shoulders, barbells out in front. If I did have the barbell overhead, I absolutely had compromised my midline in order to get the barbell over the center of my foot. But I was acutely aware of all of those things and I would still have to demonstrate the movement, but I would, I would demonstrate it and let the, the crowd know, here are the things that I'm still working on. 
here are the things that don't look uh, idealized, if you will. And because I'm so aware of them, I will be able to see if any of you are doing them also, and we'll get you into the position that we're actually chasing. So, you know, there, there was a way to do that, but I was always envious. If you can demonstrate, I was always envious of those that, that could have the also the, the demonstration arrow in their quiver. Yeah. But even without it, you, you know, I, I had no problem running those groups, improving people's Absolutely. shoulder presses, push presses, because I still had a fundamental understanding of every phase and point of performance in the movement and had, to, you know, had the yep. eye to see if what I was seeing in front of me wasn't meeting those points of performance and then had some tools and tricks to get them there as well. Yeah. And, and that's a great, great point actually to kind of dial in on that for a minute. I guess if we ask the question, why is your demonstration not as good as it could be? Is it because you're still legitimately developing the skill set? Or is mm. it because you have a fundamental misunderstanding of the movement and you're not executing it correctly? Those are two very different aspects. Sure. So maybe we need to back up a step and consider that. If you're just somebody that's still working through the technical pieces of you know, developing some of these more demanding movements, hey, no harm, no foul. As long as you're putting in your homework, like you said, you understand the major points of performance you understand how to correct them. You understand what it looks like when those deviations start to creep in. You're, you're well-rounded in your knowledge of what is supposed to happen. You just can't put it together on your own mm -hmm. demonstration yet. No harm, no foul. On the other end, you don't have a good grasp of the movement. You haven't taken the time to figure out the mechanics. You don't know how to convey those to other people. And you don't know what to look for when they're going awry. And your demonstration is reflective of that. Well, now that's a completely different scenario. So that's, yep. a, that's actually a really good point. Fully agree. And, and before we started filming this, you mentioned the muscle, which I think is a great example, right? It's uh, a people that is a movement that's challenging. And they probably, a lot of coaches maybe can't do it. They're working towards it. The other movement that popped into my mind is also in the gymnastics world. And that's a handstand walk. Mm. That's another one that people struggle with for sure for a variety of reasons, but everybody wants to do it. So, hey, could you coach it if you couldn't do it? So I, as all good husbands do, I tricked my wife. So I, <laughs> I told her, I didn't tell her we we're going to film this, but, you know, for her credentials and accolades, I mean, she's a tremendous athlete. She's one of those athletes you mentioned that can do things very, uh, very well. And she would yeah. say that, you know, she does it far better than coaching, uh, you know, she went to the games twice as an individual, lifelong gymnast, full ride scholarship, D1 gymnast, you know, so knows gymnastics movements. And so I was like, hey, uh, I said, if you were going to, if you had somebody in front of you that couldn't handstand walk and you wanted them to teach them the handstand walk, what would you do? And she just walked me through a process like, well, first of all, we need to make sure they can obviously support their body weight when they get upside down. They can actually do a handstand. So we have to build that pressing strength or that stability shoulder presses against the wall, then we need to make sure their midline is strong, we need to make sure that that handstand isn't just against a wall, work to an open floor handstand, then once that happens, we'll start actually, you know, locomoting, if you will, and moving, and mm -hmm. I'd want, you know, want to do it in this way, so they're not kicking over and falling over, that's a bad habit, and basically walk through this whole progression, and once you walk through the end of it, I said, okay, could somebody teach that to another person, that handstand walk, if they could not handstand walk themselves 
And without a moment's hesitation, she's like, yeah, of course. What, why couldn't anyone mm -hmm. do the exact process that I just laid out there for you without having to do the handstand walk themselves? And so a little bit of trickery got to the end as well, even with a complicated movement yeah. like the handstand walk. If you have a plan, and you know what you're yep. looking for, then you can, you can execute that plan. Now with a technical movement, like you said, if you don't have the knowledge, the understanding the points of performance, you're not going to know how to get to the finish line. You're not going to have a progression. Yep. You're not going to have a plan. So even if you're not there yet, you can help others get there, even ahead of you. And that's fantastic, you know? So yeah. don't, don't be held back by some things that you can't do. And I would say, and I might get some pushback. I know the internet pushback, right, about this. But one of the most, if I had to say what some of the most important characteristics of a, of a fantastic coach are, my top three, in my top three probably wouldn't live the ability to do all the movements. It would be such things as empathy and caring for people mm -hmm. and presence yep. and attitude. And like, it would be all these other things that I don't even think that would make the top three. So don't, yeah. I would say, don't let that hold you back. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that uh, that like that fundamental understanding is is key, and once that's in place, you're going to be just fine. And especially, uh, I I can't help but go back to this idea of modeling behavior. If the behavior that you put forward is, oh, woe is me, I can't do this yet, and I, there's something you know shameful about that, and I should be this, and I should be that. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? When your athletes struggle with something, they're going to adopt it that same behavior of like, oh, I should be better at this. I should, instead of accepting the fact that there is no shortcut between beginner and high level of proficiency. Some right. people take that leap pretty quickly, but most of us do not. And it's like, you can't get to the other end of it without going through a lot of reps that frankly, you probably hope never see the light of day. And that's exactly what needs to happen. So don't shy away from it and don't model a behavior that would cause your athletes to shy away from that process. One, 100%. So other, other thing I'll say about that on the, in the practical sense, because I, I like to talk conceptually a lot, and I think sometimes I need to, to land the plane, so to speak. <laughs> so, <laughs> so let me land the plane. Here, here's three things that I think any coach oh, okay. can Good. start to um, put into place if they're a little bit self-conscious about their demo. Number one is find somebody who is a good demo and use that person to show what you're showing. Honestly, yes. that can be a really good tool, even if you're very good at demonstration for the simple fact that demonstrating and talking about what you're doing at the same time is a huge demand. You only have so many attention units that you can focus on either task. And if you're trying to do both at once, typically one of them is going to suffer. Your mm -hmm. explanation is going to fall apart because you, you can't really think about what you want to say next, or your demonstration isn't as crisp as it could be because you're focusing on what you're going to say. So sometimes even if you're really good at demoing, having somebody to do it and take that off of yourself can be a great strategy regardless. Absolutely. So that's strategy number one. Strategy number two, like I mentioned already, find the pieces that are the most technically demanding and see if you can show them in isolation. I'll give you a great example in the front squat. You know, maybe you have a hard time keeping your elbows in the perfect rack position as you approach the bottom. Well, that's fine. You can convey the concept at the top Mm -hmm. show what it looks like. Hey, this is the ideal. And then the next piece of explanation is that that has to be maintained at the bottom. You don't have to show something that won't match up with your verbiage mm -hmm. as long as you can convey the concept. 
So that's, that's two, so figure out a way to convey the concept at the most technical part of the movement. And number three is super simple. If you're a gym that's a little bit more modern and you've got a TV in the gym or something like that, before your class starts, plan ahead, go to the CrossFit.com website. There's exercises and demos on a nice bright white background in super slow motion of every movement that you could think of. Cue that up before you start teaching. When you're doing your brief, bring everybody over to that. Boom, here it is, show it. This is the muscle up in real time. Here it is in slow motion. Okay, now we're gonna break off and start working on it. It's an easy solution to just plug that in. And when you do it again with confidence, it feels like it's part of the plan from the beginning. Everybody's happy. I will echo that statement about how much of a wonderful resource those movements filmed in front of the white infinity wall are. They are top notch. So if somebody didn't know that resource existed, you, yep. are, you have a treasure trove at your fingertips of yeah. movement demos. Absolutely fantastic. So perfect. Uh, I assume no more, no more closing thoughts. That was your, your wrap up. Yeah, I think that's it. Okay. Yeah, I think, uh, I think we're good. Yeah, I think that's perfect. So, you know, as we always say, I mean, this, this whole podcast came from a user submitted comment or question. So as always, if you're listening to this in audio format, thank you, of course, but we encourage everybody, go to the BTWB YouTube channel, post your thoughts to comments. Maybe you have some other examples. Maybe you're in this boat of wanting to be a coach, but you can't do all the movements, or maybe you took that leap and you know, give us your real life examples of how it's been going for you. We read these comments, people respond to them, and they drive future content. So as always, for Adrian Bosman, I'm Pat Sherwood, and we will see you next time.